Hey guys, we're back with another episode. Today we're in conversation with the wonderful, interesting Madison Margolin. Yes, uh, this was a really, really cool conversation. As I'm sure a lot of you know, uh, the talk of psychedelics, it's been been floating around for the past few years and uh, becoming more and more mainstream in terms of uh, its use as a therapeutic tool and um, for processing trauma and things uh, of that sort. Uh, and within the, the the Jewish community as well. So I had come across Madison's work, particularly her journalism. I thought her writing was fantastic and it seemed like she had a lot of insight to offer. And uh, thankfully she accepted our invitation and uh, we had a really interesting conversation. What I wanna say is also, this is not about doing drugs. This is not what this conversation is, is about. It's about really uh, being a better, be your best self. It's about being your best self, being a more integrated self and um, if, uh, and the the different ways that one can go about doing that. I think there's a lot of people that I know, uh, particularly with what's going on in Israel now, they're thinking about like, what does it mean to be a Jew? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be a real Jew? And they're um, searching. They're searching and they're, yeah, they're they're kind of doing a lot of uh, introspection, inner work about what that means. And that's something that we talk about in this, uh, in this episode. And I really hope you enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, likewise, Madison has a book coming out November 7th. Um, I hope you, uh, you know, we'll put a link in, uh, to the book. It's if, if it's anything as insightful as our conversation, I think you would find it really interesting. Um, exile and ecstasy, we'll put a link into the episode, but you know, as Mesh mentioned, this is, you know, psychedelics is becoming more and more mainstream. Some are calling it the second revolution of psychedelics, uh, in, in our time, um, you know, coming post 1960. And, you know, with that, Madison really explores the connection between psychedelics and its connection to Judaism and Hasidut, Zohar, Kabbalah. And she brings those two together in a, in a very beautiful way. And, and in the conversation, she also gives uh, some tips to how you could integrate uh, some of these experiences into your day-to-day life um, and be your best self. And um, uh, it's a conversation that I found very insightful and I hope you will too. Enjoy. Enjoy it. Madison Margolin is a writer and journalist covering psychedelics, cannabis, spirituality, and Jewish life. She's a co-founder of Double Blind Magazine, and she's written for many publications, including Rolling Stone, Tabla Magazine, Vice, and lots of other outlets. Madison currently works as project manager for Lucy News' latest endeavor, Psychedelic U, and as a contributing editor to Jewish publishing studio Ein Press where she developed psychedelic-related content. She's also a co-founder of the Jewish Psychedelic Summit and host of the Be Here Now Network's Set and Setting podcast. She's also the author of a forthcoming book titled Exile and Ecstasy, Growing Up with Ram Dass and Coming of Age in the Jewish Psychedelic Underground, being published by Hay House Publishing in November of this year. It gives me great pleasure to welcome her to our podcast today. Madison, welcome to A Ton to Talk About. Thank you for having me. So a lot of times on the podcast, we kind of start with someone's childhood and then work uh, work forward from there. For today, I kind of want to switch it up a bit. Recently, I was watching a, uh, I guess you could call it a, a panel of some, uh, I guess you call it a panel. Uh, you were actually name dropped in there. Um, it was brought together by the Harvard Divinity School. And it was titled, Are Psychedelics Theologically Significant for Judaism? There were a number of different, uh, Sam uh, Shankov was on there, 
um, Leela Helner, Eshed, Jay Michelson. There were, there were a bunch of people on there and it was really, really interesting. And I think that they touched on uh, a, a lot of really uh, vital topics, some of hopefully that we'll talk about today. So uh, I want to start with that, with presenting that question to you. Uh, are psychedelics theologically significant for Judaism? I know it's a big question, and I guess we could also, we can talk about that question and talk about what does theological significance even mean to you in the first place? Yeah, okay. So, right, I, I like want to understand what they mean by theological significance. Okay, so I guess theological significance refers to how people are engaging with the divine, right? Like with God. Um and are psychedelics important to the processes of, you know, of divinity in subjective experiential ways? That's how, I guess that's sort of how I interpret what they mean by that. And again, I have no idea. Maybe they just wanted to give the panel a newer name, something fresher than psychedelics and Judaism. Mm -hmm. um, so the, to answer the question, are the psychedelics theologically significant? Um, I think the answer is yes and no. The reason I say I guess that yes is an easy answer, right? Is it's like if someone does a psychedelic, if someone in, ingests a psychedelic substance and they then have an experience of God, like that is significant to that person. Now the question is, is it significant to the religion as a whole? I'm not really sure. I mean, you could say that, well, psychedelic plants were being ingested by the prophets and you know by the original tribe and the forefathers and you know and like Moshe Rabbeinu and and whoever and so therefore they were having psychedelic experiences you know potentially some of which were induced by psychedelics as substances and therefore that has been theologically significant in, in the development of the Jewish religion. The reason I would say no, it's not significant, though, is because it doesn't really matter, like, how someone is engaging with God. You know, I think the point is, like, they are engaging with God. Like, that's it. And so, you know, anyone could do acacia, right, which is like a DMT-containing plant that's native to the Middle East. Just because you, you do DMT or you do acacia and talk to God, that doesn't mean you're a prophet, right? That actually is not theologically significant. And on the other side of the coin is like, I don't think it matters how people are getting to like how the prophets or Moses or whoever, I don't think it matters that whether or not Moses, for instance, whether or not the burning bush was DMT, I don't think that matters, right? Because like you said, anyone could ingest DMT. They weren't all Moshe Rabbeinu. They were not all prophets, right? So it's actually more about the relationship with the divine. And I don't think psychedelics are the foundation of a relationship with the divine. I think really it's just about like, getting to a point of having a whether an endogenous or exogenous psychedelic experience and i think engage talking to god and engaging with god is a psychedelic experience but i don't think it has to come from a particular substance so sorry that was super jumbled tell me if i made sense or not i i think that your point came across quite clear i um I, I guess what is the definition of a psychedelic experience? So that, that's probably an important thing to to define at the outset of this conversation. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I, my personal definition of psychedelic experience is maybe different from the mainstream or official definition, right? Like etymologically speaking, psychedelic means mind manifesting. Now, personally speaking, in the way that I've observed it, is 
a psychedelic experience is one that puts you in touch with your soul and also puts you more um puts you more in touch with your body like you 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 feel the embodiment of your soul differently so that's meaning to say maybe you identify more with your soul and when you're doing that you're like oh whoa i'm in a body like wow i'm having sensations my heart is feeling and i've tripped before and been like oh my god my heart's beating i'm like wait it's always beating like now I'm just aware of it, right? So I think it, it has both like somatic and soulful components that make it, you know, quote unquote psychedelic. And again, because I really want to like sort of decentralize substance from psychedelic experience, I would say that you can have a an experience that is psychedelic without it having to be induced by anything foreign in the body. You know, it can be like through meditation techniques or whatever. Well, thanks for that. Um, so I'm curious to know, like, you're, cl you're clearly very passionate about this topic and, uh, specifically psychedelics and its connection to Judaism. I wonder if you could share with the audience how that came about. Like, what is it about, um, what makes you so curious? You're going to areas where, you know, people may have thought about before, but you're actually you know, staying it and, and, um, you know, leading uh, this conversation. I was wondering, what is that driving force for you, um, for you know, to get involved uh, mm -hmm. in this topic? Yeah, I mean, I think I, since I was a kid, I was always very like connected to God. Like I, you know, God was always a central aspect of life. Aspect. I don't even know if aspect is the word. <laughs> like, like I just was. I was just like. Like my, I grew up in a very like God oriented family. Like both my parents are big believers in God. Like I, you know, they're not like specifically observant, but I would say that my dad is very like, is very religious. Um, and I say religious in the sense of God makes his way into everything and you see God in everything and, and God is behind everything. And God is like, because, because of everything is because of God. And, and you, you know, you see, you look at the sky and you look at the trees and you look at you know, the shop is candles and it's all God, right? Like, and so I was raised with this very almost like Balshemtov style relationship to the divine, like in a very childlike, direct way. Um, also, you know, my parents, like I said, both kind of grew up in traditional Jewish households. They were both kind of the rebel hippies and, you know, didn't raise me specifically like halakhic, although I did go to like conservative Jewish school when I was younger and then we all dropped out and whatever. Anyways, my dad especially is like really involved in like the cannabis movement and he is old friends with Ram Dass, um, who wrote the book Be Here Now and they share a guru named Kroli Baba. And, you know, my whole upbringing was going to these kirtans, which are Hindu chanting events and with a bunch of Jewish people singing songs or, you know, chants and meditations in Sanskrit. And I was basically asking myself, like, what is it that my parents and their friends are looking for in Hinduism and in psychedelics and in, you know, all this hippie stuff, meditation and blah, 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 that they're not necessarily finding or have accessible in Judaism. And even as a kid, I was like, Judaism has to have it. Like, of course we have this, but I just didn't know from it. Um, I wasn't exposed and neither were my parents really. Um, fast forward, I was in journalism school and every kid in the class had to report on a specific ethnic community and the community that I was assigned were the Hasidim in Brooklyn. 
and um and because I was the only child in the class and I um met these kids who were sort of like had one foot in one foot out kind of on the spectrum of what would be called OTD or off the derech off the path and they told me how they were doing all these festivals and side trance and doing molly and acid and shrooms and ketamine and dmt and i i said to myself there's no way that um that judaism god whatever is not factoring into their psychedelic experiences like if you're tripping that much or that often like it's gonna come up right um and then i also met a bunch of people coming from Hasidic backgrounds who were doing ayahuasca and kind of blending jewish ritual and song and prayer with the plant medicine and so and the fact that it was framed as a prayer you know i i really felt like i was relearning how to pray through psychedelics and that prayer in a way became like my own psychedelic integration practice of keeping that psychedelic state and awareness alive but in like my sober moments of prayer or his bodhidus um which i don't know if your audience knows all these terms or whatever but kind of having a one-on-one chat with god how you could translate his bodhidus um so I don't know if that answers the question, but it it's kind of like how I like why I'm so passionate is like I just wanted I've always wanted to connect to God in a, in a way that felt authentic, at least to me. And growing up with these Hindus, um, you know, Hindu Jews, Hindus, I was like, this just didn't feel authentic. It didn't feel like mine. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I'm really just fascinated by the ways people are you know, getting out of their minds and into their bodies and being connected to something greater than themselves, transcending themselves in a way. I call that divine and I want to know how people do it. So what what did you find? Like when you went and started discovering, you know, once what went with them and learned more about what they're experiencing, it, it's drawn you to this uh, space. What have you like discovered in the psychedelic Jewish Judaism spiritual world? Yeah, I mean, if I had a, like a dollar for every time someone said to me something along the lines lines of, you know, a Hasidic person saying like, I didn't really get what the Baal Shem Tov was talking about and then I did acid or, you know, or, or then I did ayahuasca or whatever it is. Like, that's huge. Like I said, I didn't grow up like Hasidic officially, but I do feel like I grew up with a Baal Shem Tovian like style of understanding divinity or of, of relating to divinity engaging with it like i said my parents both are very like like they have like my dad especially has like a very like hasidish soul um minus like black hat though he does he does have a beard and now he's basically grown up pious <laughs> but yeah so what what have i learned i mean i guess like really i think what psychedelics have done is they woken me up to realizing that Judaism itself is a psychedelic experience and that mm. our religion and practicing it and the rituals involved and the certain containers of sacred time that we have in Shabbos and the Chagim and other kind of like energies at play about the Kabbalah like the four I mean more than the four worlds but you know like like understanding that there's more to reality than what meets the I in mundane terms like that is psychedelic right like I've tripped more on just like learning 
learning about like the passage of the soul, you know, and the layers of the soul through, you know, nefesh, neshama, whatever, like, like, like I've, I've tripped more on that than I have sometimes on psychedelics. And the thing is, but it took me having psychedelic experiences to make these realizations. Meaning to say that like, when I first did ayahuasca, one of the first times I did it was on Shabbos. And I like had never related to Shabbos in that way before. Like I felt really like I was tuning into the Shafina and like the energies of like timeless time, right? That Shabbos is like time beyond time almost. And it without the psychedelic kind of heightening my awareness and sensitivity and perception, I don't know if I would have been privy to that. But basically then what it did is that Jewish practice after the psychedelic experience became the integration tool. And so that I could like recognize these elements and energies of Shabbos in ways that I hadn't before. And I didn't need to have ayahuasca every time in order to do that. Yeah, I think that touches on like a really key point in terms of the relationship and the uh, dynamics between uh, Judaism and, and psychedelics. There's a, a famous theologian, I'm sure you're familiar with him, Madison, uh, Rabbi Art Green, and and he wrote a paper uh, in 19, I think it was 1968 or 69, he wrote a famous paper um about psychedelics and, and Kabbalah, I think it was uh, related to it. And, and from what I understand, it was the first of its kind. But in it, he he uh, he touches on the idea of throughout history. Let's say uh, the Jews they've they've worked on, you know, they going up the mountain, kind of working on themselves and trying to reach a place where where God can be experienced in a in a personal way. And and they've done it the vast majority of that without, without any psychedelics. And he kind of opens, he, 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 uh, brings up the question of if you can reach it and you can, uh, take this, this shortcut and get to this level of, of, um, experiencing God and God's oneness or, you know, some sort of, uh, really, really rich level of, of spiritual revelation. So then what's that going to do to that, to that whole journey? Why, why would people do that? And I think coming to understanding of, of that, there is still, um, a lot of benefit and power and uh, richness to the actual process of like day-to-day life and and the revelation that comes through um, you know through the work and through through the journey and then having uh, experience with psychedelics with psychedelic substances serve as like a, a booster in in some ways but not take the place of that that's something that that I know myself and a lot of other um, people that um, that are engaging with this topic—that's something that they that they think about and and try to take um, seriously. You know. Yeah, I mean, I I think psychedelics are sort of a microcosm of the journey, or you know, like this disembodied or embodied experience of it in like a uh, concentrated way. But I don't think it's like the journey in and of itself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I think. Yeah, I'm just I'm just kind of building off echoing what you're saying or, you know, summarizing our green is but I, I don't like I think psychedelics can how do I say it? Like the psychedelic trip, the way that it goes down, like the phenomenology of it, I think is can parallel some aspects of like a Vodas Hashem, but I don't think it 
is a replacement for it or ultimately like the path in and of itself the same way just doing the thing with your life in an everyday way is that path right well i guess it, it relates to the question of like in it that your judaism is making the psychedelics the psychedelic trip a, a richer experience or is are the psychedelics making your your um hopefully making your judaism uh a richer experience but i but i guess maybe the goal is to is to have both right why can't you do both yeah i think definitely both would be the goal but if we have to say which one is more important then it's it's that the psychedelics can help your judaism rather than your yes. helping the psychedelic absolutely <laughs> Uh, we met a, I saw an article you wrote, uh, there was a phrase of that really caught me out. Uh, I wanted to ask you more on it uh, to give more color. You wrote, getting high off God is an art that's been lost over the years. I, I personally are like, you know, could relate to that sentiment. Um, and, you know, that the sentiment of being at awe of God's wonders and the divine. Um, like giving a little more color uh, to to what you meant by that and the experience of getting high off God. Yeah, I mean, I think like there's, yeah, I, I'm trying to remember, I, I remember writing that. I'm like, which story is that from though? Um, but it's probably something I've said before a few times. Um, so pretty much like, I think I meant it probably in terms of of the original form of Hasidus or, or not even Hasidus, but like it, it feels like there's, there's been different like um, iterations of this. And I don't know if you've read Magic of the Ordinary by Gershon Winkler, but, you know, he talks about how um, the Jewish religion or the, the religion of the Jewish tribe of the Hebrew tribe started out as something more akin to like a Native American tradition than this academic, like dry form of Judaism that we, you know, have potentially Engage, you know, that that kind of developed over time, especially to parallel what was going on in Europe and Christianity. So the what I would say is that like the fact that the the religion of that tribe was based off of the four directions and the elements of, you know, earth, wind, sky, fire, earth, wind, sky, earth, wind, air, fire, whatever I'm missing. Um, water. Um, plant practice like practices that entail plants stuff like that like that's all sort of expressions of like god manifest right the cre creator expressing itself through creation i think is kind of how how winkler's put it and so using that to then enter into expanded or connected states of consciousness is one way of quote-unquote getting high off god secondarily there's like then another iteration of that it goes back to like Baal Shem Tov style Hasidus where you know being out in nature or just like simply clapping your hands and dancing or singing or doing some sort of religious practice or ritual um, is, is another way of getting high off God I would say or you know, I, I have lived part-time in spot before and like being in a place like that and just really tuning into the energetic frequencies that are there um, is another way of saying that. Now, the reason I said it's like been lost is because when you think of mainstream Judaism, and I say this across the board, um, 
you know, having seen how how bleak it can get in both like reformed, secular, like dry, shut like synagogue services and even into like Hasidic satmer whatever it is where people are kind of just like doing the routine thing and i don't know if anyone is having any sort of like ecstatic or embodied or somatic or overly connected experience and so i think the origins of judaism and the origins of Hasidus have uh, become a little bit congested um with a bunch of other stuff including trauma um mm. a lot of trauma that has disconnected us from ourselves and from like the essence of what we're going for um and i think a lot of it also has to do with um i mean it you know also not not having a temple um and so a lot of our practices have gone from embodied embodied practice like things that we would actually do in the temple and then judaism became really a religion of the book right um like a verbal Liter- literary type religion because we did we lost the the places where we were practicing it you know in that kind of in that kind of temple Judaism way and also being a people of diaspora like we because physical place is not something that's been sustained for us you know like everything is like we keep the religion in our heads like we remember it but like how much do we actually feel it with the body um so I don't know. I, I think I'm kind of on a tangent right now, but um, I hope that partially answers your question at least. No, totally. I think there's a like a lot to unpack there, so that would make sense um, in a in a question like that. Um, when I talk to people about this exact issue, perhaps about you know that feeling, the, you know, having bring feelings back into religion, really uh, making it uplift you and you know um, and be one with it, and I've gotten, you know, uh, you know, and suggesting, you know, how a psychedelic experience could perhaps help you connect um, and, you know, get in touch um, with the divine and, you know, re- reawaken um, some of those feelings. I've gotten some pushback over the over time, which which is like, you know, I could go on that on that psychedelic trip. I could perhaps even get to these heights connect to. Uh, the divine connect to a higher power, feel incredibly spiritual. Um, but then what happens when I come down, right? And how do I, it was my, my, you know, day-to-day life, day in and day out, uh, work, materialism, and how do I, you know, connect the two? Um, and I, yeah, in, since we started that conversation, I've heard you, you know, say a few times the word integration. Um, but, you know, I was wondering if, you know, you could share a little bit more on that. I think there's like, there's, there could be like the risk of like becoming an experience junkie and always wanting to like go for the experience, like be at like the concerts that goes till four in the morning or, um, you know, going to festivals or going to ceremonies or whatever it is. And like, really just like more experience, experience, experience. And then it's like, what is it doing for your life on a day-to-day basis? Now, maybe like, the insights that you have and you're able to hold them in your mind day to day like that that is you know can bring about happiness and fulfillment and nervous system regulation um that said you know i i think like you know and i said this before like acid's cool but like have you ever done yoga every day consistently 
And like, how does that transform a person more than a, a one big trip here and there? Um, so, you know, I find that a measure of, of well-being is not like how happy you can be in these peak experiences, but like, do you wake up in the morning and like not feel anxious and your your body is working properly and you feel healthy and you have energy and like you whatever you you dive in or you say modaani or you do a spodadus and you really mean what you're saying um you know like really getting like the and a, like feeling aligned um and it's it's like i said it's way easier said than done and as much as like you know when i say what when i think of like what it is to live a psychedelic life quote unquote like it starts with you know sleeping enough eating healthy plant-based foods uh you know like learn continuing to like learn and grow and exercise like like you know self-improvement being in the body exercising dancing doing yoga meditating breathing like all these like basic things that have nothing to do with psychedelics but it's often that psychedelics when you do them and then you're like well what what can i do in my regular life it's like well if you're not doing any of that basic shit like what else is there really to do anyway you know so i think it's like I think just having the Kaleem to hold a psychedelic experience before and after and, and of course during is huge. And part of building those Kaleem are really just in the sober daily things that we do with ourselves. And and maybe I'll, the last thing I'll say about integration is that I find that if you take a practice and do it while you're tripping and then you do it in your regular life, it can kind of bring you back there. Um, whether it's like listening to the music from your trip or if you do a certain yoga pose and then you do it again when you're sober, it kind of like is sort of kissed with that magic of the psychedelic experience. Um, making art or, you know, dancing or, you know, I, I like to hula hoop. And so like whenever I've hooped when I'm tripping and then I hoop when I'm sober, it kind of brings me back to that kind of, you know, altered flow state. Um, so having kind of souvenirs, tangible souvenirs from your trip. When you were um when you were talking, for some reason I was brought back to uh my Yeshiva years. Uh both Yosef and I we both went through the uh Chabad Yeshiva system and so they have Fabregans uh, and Fabregans are very common. Sometimes you'll have like uh you'll have like <laughs> two or three for bring-ins in a week or, you know, during, during certain months, it gets, it gets very busy. Uh, there's, a, uh, it seems like every other week someone was, was released from prison or, or, uh, you know, either, either there was a, there was a prison release or there was, or there's, or it's a birthday or it's a, or it's a yard side or it's, or it's, uh, something else or it's Purim, you know, right. or it's the, or it's the month of Purim. Yeah. So, um, so, but, but during it for bring-ins, there's, uh, you know, there, there, there is a lot of emphasis on like what happens post for bringing mm-hmm. and how, how it's going to change and, uh, how you're going to integrate. Cause the bringing is a, is a, is a happy, you know, people are drinking and they're singing and they're, uh, they're saying all these inspirational things, but there's a very big emphasis on, right. Yeah. There's, there, there's, there's a big emphasis on, okay. Like, uh, what's like the, you know, how, like the next morning, what's like, yeah, I was going to be the first to sit us the next morning. Like what, how is it going to actually play out? And, and I do think that in, it, it does require 
like a real type of maturity to be able to to do that integration because I know that for me in Yeshiva it was very difficult to kind of have any real sustainable impact from like a particular for Bregan like the average the average for Bregan just be just because uh when when you're younger and I'm talking about um you know like uh you know late teens early 20s it's it's hard to it's hard to uh kind of take an experience that that isn't um just the day-to-day grind and then uh, translated to the day-to-day grind and uh i i found that as as uh, as one gets older then it becomes an, uh, an easier thing to do um uh, and yeah, an easier thing to to kind of be like okay i'm uh i'm uh i'm not just interested in in uh you know like having those uh i guess flights from reality but and actually making my reality different um uh, and, and I know that a lot of people struggle with that, like uh, in, in yeshiva. But we were we were kids, and and I guess that that's that's also uh, an an argument to say that if someone uh, does experience or if someone does experiment with psychedelics, um, then there is something to be said for doing it in an environment that's. Um, and and of course, I just want to make a a, uh, a disclaimer that we're not uh, we're not advocating for um, for any any illegal activity. And uh, and everything should be done according to your local uh, state and country and county laws, uh, as well as uh, as any other sort of laws that you accept upon yourself. But but I think that that there is a really strong argument to be made for a, a certain level of emotional maturity before um, before people kind of delve into these into these uh, intense pastures. I guess is my in my point. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think like the ultimate like you know is. The ultimate example is like don't study Zohar until you're 40, right? And exactly. Whether or not you do that is another story. But like, basically, the question is, it's like, is it is the experience going to be lost on you? You know, like, are, do you really have the kaleem, the wisdom, the maturity, the discipline, the whatever, in order to like actually get everything you can out of it? Um, I once spoke to a psychiatrist. I think it was about like uh, if a nursing mother can, you know, like trip like can do acid or shrooms or something and like would it affect the baby and she basically said like babies are already tripping like you know they're or they don't even have the capacity for the drugs to affect them and so it reminds me in this weird metaphorical way of like this what we're talking about is like if you don't like build up yourself first like do you even have the capacity or the maturity to like for, for like the depth and levels and layers and you know whatever of these experiences to even do anything to you you know like you, you it would be going over your head a little bit or god forbid like shattering the vessel when you said that babies are tripping are you talking about like it made me think of that famous i think it was uh dr rick strassman strassman that talks about dmt being uh produced at birth is that was that what you were referring to or I think it's just that, like, the who know, like, I'm sure scientists can guess at what's going on inside the mind and brain of a baby. But A, like, either that they're like, first of all, their egos have not developed yet, right? So already that's like a trip because so much of what the psychedelic experience is, is dampening the ego. And so if you're without ego, you're like halfway there, at least, or you're there already. You know, this boundary between self and other, like, does a baby have a sense of self, of me, me, me? Like, yes, instinctually, like, it it knows that it needs to 
eat and sleep, you know, it needs, it needs food, it needs water, it needs whatever, but it doesn't like, actually do babies even drink water? I guess they just get that through the milk. But, um, you know, but, but there isn't this like, um, like egotistical boundary. Um, and so psychedelics in many ways return us to, to that childlike sense of, of like connection and wonder. But like I said, the baby's brain is also not developed. And so there might just be like, like maybe a psychedelic, like the beauty of a psychedelic wouldn't work or wouldn't be needed for, for the baby. So from what I gathered, you, you do a lot of, uh, of writing and, and traveling and participating in different um, conferences related to psychedelics and Judaism and, uh, and there's a lot going on now from, 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 from the little that I saw there's, there's really in, in the past few years, in the past, let's say decade or so, but, uh, I feel like in general, it's been picking up in the past few years. So if you can give us, a, a, I guess, a bit of an overview as to like, what's been going on recently, what you've seen and um, experienced both in the, I guess the, uh, the world at large in terms of, uh, the the latest news and, uh, and research when it comes to psychedelics and uh, particularly in the uh, in in regard to the um, Judaism and uh, yeah I know there's that there's so much going on but I guess give us a synopsis of sort sure so generally speaking a there's a lot of decriminalization initiatives around the country looking to decriminalize or lift criminal sanctions around psychedelic compounds, namely plant medicine. So mushrooms, ayahuasca, whatever. Um, that's generally spearheaded by local groups under the Decriminalized Nature um, Initiative. They're all kind of independent depending on their locality. But, you know, we saw this happen in Colorado a few years ago, in Oakland, and the city of Berkeley, in, uh, in different parts of Massachusetts, and different parts of, I think, Ann Arbor, all over the place, there are these initiatives. Um, number two, there are a few, there, so the FDA has fast-tracked MDMA and psilocybin to become prescription medications in psychedelic-assisted psychotherapy, um, quote-unquote, early this decade. Um, so both of those will be available by prescription, you know, according to certain protocols for um, PTSD in the case of MDMA. And I think it's major depressive, like some form of depression, but major depression, depressive disorder for psilocybin. And then there's a ton of research also looking into psilocybin, LSD, whatever, for addiction, eating disorders, cluster headaches, uh chronic pain, all sorts of stuff. And this is all happening on the research level. Also, um, there's a number of pharmaceutical companies that are developing psychedelic-based compounds to treat also a ton of different types of issues. And when I say psychedelic-based compounds, I mean that they're compounds that, are, that look and act like psychedelics. They're novel compounds that work on the, serot on the serotonin, serotonin system. Um, which, you know, classic psychedelics also interplay with serotonin and whatever, obviously in different ways. Um, but 
yeah, so there's that idea that's that's happening as well. And then Jewishly speaking, I mean, the Jewish psychedelic movement is quite big. Um, and the reason, I mean, whether it's there, there's a lot of interest in people across the board, whether secular or religious or anywhere in between, um, in kind of looking at both Jewish trauma and like how can how can we address inherited and experienced trauma in Jewish populations um, through psychedelics, and I think also like the proliferation of psychedelic medicine has put trauma as more of like you know more on stage as something that we can talk about and acknowledge um and so now it's like okay what are we doing about it um uh, beyond that yeah like there's the jewish psychedelic summit which i think speaks there again people from all different backgrounds attended or you know are part of that community um so it's pluralistic um you know like i said from secular to religious and you know, I think a lot of people are really just like looking for ways to either make sense of their psychedelic experiences through Jewish frameworks or to have a psychedelic experience in general in a Jewish context. Um, and again, I, I see this everywhere from, you know, like Burning Man to Borough Park, like, mm-hmm. and to B'nai Brock and everywhere in between. Um, I'll say also that there are initiatives where people are looking into getting some form of um uh what's it called like religious freedom or sorry religious protection or exemption in order to be able to do this safely within jewish ritual contexts and i while i haven't seen anything so far that's like fully approved in that direction like there is interest and you know efforts in that um madison is curious to know like if you can share it to our audience like what but the, if someone is listening to this and it's like, you know, I've never even entertained uh, psychedelics, you know, but you put it in the framework around Judaism, put in a framework around, you know, we're having a spiritual revival. How do I get involved? Like, where do I start? If, you know, for so long I've had it, you know, perhaps, you know, in a taboo place in my own mind. Where do I even begin? You know, that, now that you know, you know, it's becoming a little more in the forefront. What would you? What would your suggestion be to somebody who's kind of new, coming at this new, where to start and um, what they could expect, perhaps? Yeah, I mean, it really depends, like, why they're getting into this. Like, are they wanting to just like experiencing, experience it just out of curiosity, or are they trying to deal with some sort of, you know, mental health issue that they think psychedelics would help with, and they want to do it, you know, in a grounded Jewish environment? Um, so my answer would be different depending on the intentions and goals and background of the person who's seeking this out. Um, you know, there's several groups here in New York where, you know, you could plug in and kind of connect with the psychedelic Jewish community, um, whether that's to have sort of a trippy Shabbos in the woods or, you know, do some sort of plant medicine ceremony or whatever it is. There's there's a ton of interest, um, or sorry, a ton of access points. Um, same in Israel, same to an extent in in California, you know. And again, it's just getting bigger. And you know, I, some people are connecting to this community through Shefa. Some people will reach out to the Jewish Psychedelic Summit. Some people reach out to me directly. Um, you know, I would say to like really start reading up on it a lot. Like, there's a lot of resources that I could point someone to. And I think also, like I said, it's it's not just about like reading like 
reading an article that I wrote about Hasidim doing psychedelics, but, you know, reading something like Heschel's The Sabbath and realizing it's a very psychedelic book. Um, and so really reconceiving of your own practice what is Heschel for Judaism. I want to stay uh, conscious of time. I know we're, we're running out, but I do want to, uh, if you can, if you can talk a little bit about, uh, about your forthcoming book, uh, it looks fascinating and, uh, I think it's open for pre-orders, right? So I'm definitely going to, going to make an order myself, but if you can talk a little bit about, about what the book is about and I guess what that process of, of writing it has been like. Yeah. So it's, it's about everything we've been talking about here. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of like if Hunter Thompson were a Jewish girl, that would be a story. Oh, Gonzo. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of like a cool. Gonzo journalistic reported memoir about, you know, growing up in the Ram Dass community and, you know, spending a lot of time in this underground psychedelic Jewish community, you know, communities, I'll say. Um, and like really making sense of religion and spirituality and trauma and practice along the way um, and trying to find ways for that to become relatable to anyone who reads it, basically. You know, and I talk a lot about, so it's also a fun book, right? Like I, I talk about a lot of my own trips. I talk about one of the rainbow gatherings, um, you know, different different experiences I've had, like riding around in the Nanach van in Jerusalem and going to trance parties in Goa, India, and, you know, all sorts of stuff. Um, and, yeah, I guess the, the process of writing it was was hard. <laughs> was, mm -hmm. was I mean, it's really like a lifetime in the making and then 10 years of reporting in the making and then a year and a half of writing and um, starting over probably three times uh, to the point where I finally just had one month before the due date of the first draft and I wrote rewrote the entire thing in a month um when I was living in spot and oh wow um yeah so um it was you know uh, yeah it's it was like a very therapeutic process of having to go inside myself um like I said it's a personal story and I reveal a lot about my own personal life just Kind of not, not because it's like about me, but it's like, can I use myself as a character to, to show the way that, you know, the way that these things work, like do the psychedelics and religious practices and spiritual modalities, like even do anything like, let's see, is it working for this person? So it's like, a, it's more of like, I'm the guinea pig. Well, it looks, it looks to be a, a great read and I'm looking forward to it. And, uh, I want to thank you for uh, coming on the podcast today and thank you for doing all the great work that you do. I think it's it's vital work. It's important work and it's only going to get um, more and more important. So um, uh, we have, you know, I, we could go on all day, but I'm, I'm sure we'll be uh, we'll be reading more of your work in the future and uh, people can find you. Um, where can people find you if they want to read some of your stuff? Do you have a website? Yeah, so my website is just my name, madisonmargolin.com. And then you can follow me on Instagram, Madison Margolin, and on Twitter as Margolin Madison. And then Facebook is just Madison Margolin. So I'm pretty easy to find on the internet. And yeah, just I hope you follow along and um, more, more stuff coming, God willing. Mm -hmm.